Fasten your seatbelt. I'm taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car is. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I am the monster the breathing men would kill. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. I'd go out of my way for you. I do everything to try and make you happy. I feed you, I clean you, I dress you, and what thanks do I get? I'm so, so sorry. Are you fucked? Are you fucked? I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Without these things, I am nothing. So now I must shed innocent blood. Dinner is served. Save yourself from hell. You're listening to the 30 something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. <laughs> Patrick? John, this is a, it's an intense introduction, man. Are you ready to be judged? I'm ready to be judged. And, uh, you know, it's funny because, like, I'm having to do a little podcasting in transit. And as that scary intro came on, like, the red brake lights in front of me, I saw my face was, like, <laughs> totally redded out. You know what I'm saying? Huh? Yeah. So it was a little, a little freaky, man. We're, we're, dang, that's a, that's a, that's a tough intro you know what i'm saying are you so and i know i can i can see your face so i know you're paying attention to the road are you are you saying that while we're talking about the movie judgment night you're stuck in traffic <laughs> i swear i was stuck in traffic okay. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be hit like those dinglings but... I, as i say do not take the detour <laughs> yeah Jeez. just just stay on uh, whatever whatever path if if let's see you don't you don't have siri so whatever whatever ways or whatever assistant you may have on your phone if they tell you there's a shorter route if you just take this detour don't do it what was the line in road trip look it's the shortcut it's not supposed to be easier if it was easier it would just be the way huh was, wasn't that the line from uh from road trip yeah i think so yeah when they were trying to like jump the car yeah oh my gosh all right, well, we spoil freely here, so this is pretty much your only warning as we start talking. If we talk about a movie, if we start to mention a movie and you want to hear anything about it, just hit that little uh, fast-forward button real quick, a little skip button a couple of times, and then we should have moved on at that point. Make sure you visit our website, 30podcast.com. You can leave a rating, a voicemail. You could become a co-executive producer on Patreon there. We have all kinds of great stuff over there, tons of bonus content. We're You'd be getting three bonus episodes every month over there if you join us on Patreon, and you can join at any amount. So if, I mean, think about, so I, I will, we don't do, uh, some of the podcasts do like a, a pledge drive kind of thing. We, we don't we do not do a pledge drive. We're, we're not part of a, a network or anything like that. But I would say that if you've been listening to the show, and if you find value in the show, if the show brings you some joy, if you enjoy it and you want it to keep going, I would just say consider what the show might be worth to you. If it's even if it was like one buck a month, you know, twelve dollars a year, even that, if the show is worth twelve dollars a year to, to you, then, you know, consider heading on over there to Patreon. There's other bonus stuff that you can get other privileges you can get if you join us at a little bit of a higher level. But, you know. 
just consider what it might be worth to you, and and if so, then that really helps us out, helps kind of keep everything going and and cover some of the costs of doing the show. So that's that's all I'm gonna do for my sales pitch on this one. All right, our movie this time around, this one is actually one of our Patreon co-executive producers, Podrick. This was one of his picks. He had seen this one. I think he told me he had seen this one years ago and remembered really enjoying it, and so he wanted to throw it out there as one for us to take a look at in case we had never seen it before. Pat, have you ever seen this one before? Last night until this morning. Okay, okay. And it was a first-time viewing for me, too. So, yeah, this is one that neither one of us had seen, and so I know Podrick is is really fond of throwing us some movies that maybe we hadn't seen before. I did know of this movie because I remember, I feel like some friends of mine in maybe uh, middle school or high school saw this when it came out. They liked it. And I remember seeing the cover for it in the video store. I remember thinking, wow, that sounds a lot like Terminator 2 Judgment Day, you know, and, and came out in the early 90s and and uh, I remember the soundtrack. I remember some of my friends having the soundtrack to the movie and that being kind of big. Interesting. Okay, so so why did you why did you match this with Terminator 2? Because of the, the instead of Judgment Day, Judgment Night. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, cuz I was trying to think of, like okay, contextually, like, I don't know the content. Yeah. Okay, no, but I get that. No, that was that, any, I, I, Yeah, anytime anytime I heard this movie being mentioned or saw this movie, I'm like, oh yeah, that's it's not judgment day. It's judgment night. The other side of the coin. Yeah, and then it'll be interesting to talk about the soundtrack because I, I keyed in on some things with the soundtrack that I, I keyed in on the soundtrack with some yeah. things. Yeah. So. Judgment Night, by the way, is the version of Terminator Two we did not get where the uh, Skynet tries some different tactics to uh, track down John Connor, and it's uh, it was it was really weird. I don't know if you've ever seen that cut of the movie where Arnold Schwarzenegger tries to be seductive. Yeah. Yeah. Real awkward. Real awkward. Didn't the, didn't quite. The Dark Knight. Yeah. Yeah, like the Dark Knight Rising. That, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Why don't you come with me? And why don't you come yeah. get into the? I will. I'll open the door, and you can get in the chopper. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if Arnold opens the door, if Arnold opens the door for you, you got to lock the door to the chopper. And if he leans over and opens that door for you, then you know he's a keeper. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's the key right there. Yep. Yep. Well, before anything else gets any more awkward or or we try other uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonations, we probably should just move on. Yeah. Move along. Move along. (laughs) Moving along now. Well, so as I said, this one is Judgment Night. This one came out on October 15th, 1993, Rated R. Runtime of one hour, 50 minutes, directed by Stephen Hopkins, who did Predator 2 and The Ghost in the Darkness. Writers were Louis Kolick and Jer Cunningham. Kolick did Ghosts of Mississippi and Ladder 49. Cunningham did The Sender and Natural Causes. Producers were Gene Levy and Charles Gordon. Levy did If Looks Could Kill and White Palace. Gordon did Die Hard and Field of Dreams. Uh, if you build it, it will explode. Composer was Alan Silvestri, who did Back to the Future and Forrest Gump. Cinematographer Peter Levy, who did The Hurricane and Broken Arrow. Editor was Tim Welburn, who did Muriel's Wedding and The Quiet American. Production company was Largo Entertainment. Budget was $21 million. Box office 12.4. So it did not make back its budget, but there are some possible reasons for that. Not, not all to blame on the movie itself. So uh, there was... 
a, a kind of a perfect storm of stuff that maybe caused it to not do as well in theaters. CinemaScore gives it a B, and Flickmetrics gives it a 54. So I got a question. Who was the ghost in the darkness? Ghost and the darkness? Yeah, the di- yeah director of Stephen Hopkins. Okay, so the director also directed Predator and Ghost in the Darkness. Yes. So both movies about a force... Or Predator 2. He did Predator 2. He did Predator 2. Okay. Interesting. But again, both movies are about some external force chasing down main characters. That's right. Right. And that's that's why, to a certain degree, that's why when, when Podrick was like, I want to throw this movie out there for you guys, part of me was like, okay, well, it doesn't. Really, October is about the only time that we can probably fit this in. I'm like, it doesn't really fit with October. But then, as I'm watching it, as I'm considering the who the director is, what he's done, I'm like, no, actually, you know what? I, I think it actually fits perfectly. It's not a horror movie, but I mean, it really and truly is, especially with Alan Silvestri doing the composition, doing the the, the score for this movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. good grief! That's that already <laughs> that already makes it sound like. It was meant to be, you know, being directed by the same guy that did Predator 2 and then having the same guy that did the score for the Predator movie. So it's it's one of those things. I didn't pay attention. A lot of times I'll start to watch the movie before I look up. Here was the composer. Here was the director. Here was the all that other stuff. I'll watch the movie first. And as I'm starting to watch the movie, I'm, I'm hearing the score going on. And I'm like, this is this is really a lot like Predator. And like this is this is sounding a lot like Predator. I'm, I'm this whoever whoever's doing this, they're doing their best impersonation of Alan Silvestri. And then of course I'm like, hey, you know what? Predator, Judgment Night, they might be the same. An incredible coincidence. So, yeah, it's it, in fact that was my jokingly I thought, hey, that could be a really good if this was a kind of a rewrite of an earlier script. This could just be this could be Predator Three, Judgment Night. It could be. As Dennis Leary as the Predator. That's yeah. basically what it is. So, so yeah, no, the, the fact that we, we all picked up on that, you know, definitely, it definitely has a lot of kind of predatory vibes to it. But that whole idea of the, the people being hunted and, yeah. Yes. No, I, and I really enjoy, I enjoy Predator too. I know some people don't like it as much, but I enjoy yeah. that one. So I'm, I'm on board for this one too. People being hunted, no safe space. All that kind of stuff. Uh, Emilio Estevez played Frank. He was in The Breakfast Club and Young Guns. Cuba Gooding Jr. played Mike. He was in Jerry Maguire and Radio. Dennis Leary was Fallon. He was in The Sandlot and The Thomas Crown Affair. Stephen Dorf is, Dorf is John. He was in Blade and Backbeat. Jeremy Piven was Ray. He was in Old School and Smoking Aces. Peter Green was Sykes. He was in The Mask and Pulp Fiction. Eric Schrode, he was Rhodes. Basically, mostly a music career, not an acting career. Michael Wiseman played Travis. He was in Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, and The Net. Michael DeLorenzo was Teddy. He was in Alive and A Few Good Men. And Will Zom played The Doorman. He was in The Fugitive and Backdraft. So a little bit of trivia for this one. While shooting the rooftop uh, face-off scene where Fallon and Ray, where Ray is trying to kind of negotiate things a little bit, the cast and crew actually were really surprised because they heard the sound of a gunshot and there was not supposed to be a gunshot going off in that scene. 
So they rushed downstairs and they discovered in that building where they had been filming on top of a 16 year old boy had been fatally shot in the face by another teenager as part of a gang ritual. So the, the military came in, they were deployed the next day to kind of secure that location and production moved to a different spot. So there's a lot of, this will be part of the trivia that's going to tell you why this movie didn't necessarily do so well in theaters because there's a lot of stories like that surrounding this movie and it kind of caused it to get pulled from theaters pretty quickly. So what was, where did they film this thing? Where did they film it? I mean, they, they were filming parts of it in Chicago. Okay. Is that where they were filming in Chicago when this thing, this situation came in? I think so. Yeah. Now, was it the National Guard came in? or I, It might have been. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Because yeah. I know you mentioned, like, the military came in to secure the location. Yeah, I would assume it was probably National Guard. Yeah, the the trivia thing said military. I'm like, well, the army is not probably going to come in. and. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure that's what it meant. But I, I yeah. thought there were pretty strict rules about, like, the military, right? like, conducting operations stateside, you Correct. know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. I, was, I was looking it up. I mean, a lot of the – it doesn't really – some of the, what I could not find was very specific – locations but it does say filmed in los angeles filmed in chicago had some aerial shots aerial of shots. the chicago uh, highway okay so, yeah so a couple different locations yeah. all right for this one see emilio estevez actually got paid more than he might typically get paid for this one he got paid four million dollars to take the lead role normally he would not get paid that much for this movie but it kind of he was available, and they were at a point where the production was either going to move forward or get canceled, and they didn't want to cancel it. It would have cost them. They would invested, I think, $8 million in pre-production cost, and they would have just completely lost all that money if they did not have a lead actor. So even though they wouldn't have normally paid him $4 million, that's what he asked for, that's what he got paid, and the movie moved forward. Okay. Well, so. sometimes that's just what you got to do. Yeah. This is kind of this kind of helps explain why the movie did not spend much time in theaters and and probably why there was a bit of a struggle for this movie to do well. Uh, it was facing down a few other movies that kind of came out around this time, but on the film's opening weekend, a shooting occurred at the Bronx at a Bronx theater that was showing the movie, and that kind of got local media in in New York to kind of stir some stuff up and basically attribute that incident to the movie itself that it was the fault of. Judgment Night for the fact that somebody came in and, and shot up that theater. So as a result, it was it only ran for like two weeks in a lot of theaters, and then that, that message kind of got out nationwide, and you just didn't have, people didn't, didn't come back to the theater at that point. We already talked about Alan Silvestri with the musical score. Originally, he had a much more electronic score for the movie, and it got turned down. Basically, the director, Stephen Hopkins, said, look, I really want kind of what you did for Predator 2. So I don't I don't want this electronic thing. I want something orchestral. I want something that sounds like Predator 2. So why don't you just give me Predator 2? And so that's, I think, a reason why the score for this one sounds very much like Predator 2, because that's exactly what the director said he wanted. i, I got to go back to a couple of key points that stick out to me. And I don't know, it was just interesting what it made me, what it made me think of. And now I want to go back and listen to Predator 2 and compare it. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Yeah. This A very different movie could have occurred because originally the lead role in this was going to go to John Travolta and Kevin oh. Spacey was going to be the main villain. Well, Kevin Spacey would be awesome. John Travolta, he was, wasn't he kind of out with movies and then Pulp Fiction was his big return? So, yeah. So that was kind of like he hadn't done, he hadn't had anything that was too successful, hadn't really done much in between then, and, and Pulp Fiction was what brought him back. So this is kind of, this possibly, had he moved forward with this, I, I think could have anticipated that this might have been a vehicle that could have gotten him back. But yeah, he didn't, uh, he didn't end up really making his comeback until after Pulp Fiction. If you think about it, this film is also, it can be considered kind of a loose remake of the movie Deliverance, from 1972. Both movies are about a group of friends whose lives are in danger. They kind of go into a dangerous area during a trip and they end up getting stalked by some violent people. And in both movies, you have a character dying, a couple of characters wounded, and the movie's main antagonists die when they fall to their deaths. So this is, it's basically Deliverance in the City. We could call it that. We could call it Predator 3, Deliverance in the City. All right, a quick synopsis for this one. For Predator 3, Judgment Night, in a world where one wrong turn can change everything, Frank, his little brother John, Mike, and Ray find themselves in a life-or-death chase through the darkest corners of Chicago. When they cross paths with the merciless crime lord Fallon, a night of fun spirals into a deadly game of cat and mouse. It's a race against time with survival as the only prize. Judgment Night, we're making it to dawn is the ultimate victory. Nobody is taking dates. It's a bunch of guys going to a boxing match. That's it. Why are you looking at me like that? Because I know your friends. <laughs> they have the hormones of high school kids. I'll be home early, okay? Promise. <laughs> How do you say, fight fans? A night out on the town. A heavy traffic jam. Say something, I'm not going to miss this fight. And one wrong turn. We've circled this block about 300 times. Yeah, enough of this scenic route. What the hell was that? He's been shot. They're coming after me. You gotta get me out of here. We can't just sit here. Come on. They got guns, John. You broke rule number one. Do not steal from me. Oh, boys, rule number two. No witnesses. Come on, come on. Oh, let's go, go, go! What the hell are we? What are we going to do? What do you think of the neighborhood? The cops are going to be here any second. The cops are not coming. What's up? You punks crazy or something, man? Chill out, man. We're just looking for some citizens. Don't move. Don't whisper. Don't even breathe. These guys don't give up. Oh, Frank, is this your wife, huh? I get a wife and a little girl, and I will get back to them tonight. Let's show these punks what we got. You better believe it. You're just another victim. You're just another victim, kid. Hey! You're just another victim. You're just another victim, kid. Emilio Estevez, Cuba Gooding Jr., Dennis Leary. No, Frank, after I kill you, I think I'm going to pay a little visit on that wife of yours. Judgment Night. You coming? All right. 
So major moments for this one. This is 10 major moments that kind of helps give a walkthrough of the plot of the movie. If you haven't seen it, haven't seen it in a while, this will kind of help jog your memory just a bit. I would say it would help take you down memory lane, but if memory lane is the detour off the highway, don't take memory lane. Whatever you do. Yeah, stick to the highway. Yeah, yeah. So major moment number one, road trip turned wrong. Frank, John, Mike, and Ray embark on a road trip in an RV to watch a boxing match in Chicago. Stuck in gridlock traffic, Ray takes a detour through a dangerous neighborhood. What did you do, Ray? What did you do, Ray? Don't, Ray, come on. And I, I will comment for just a minute on the, uh, in, in the movie trailer when he's doing that, like, one night one terrible traffic jam. I'm like, only if you've ever lived in like a Chicago or a Los Angeles could a terrible traffic jam actually be the line of a horror movie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like I remember, I remember when I used to live uh, for a little bit in, uh, and I had family living in Southwest Missouri. I remember that for Springfield, Missouri, when we'd be visiting family, you'd, you'd be up in the morning and, and you'd turn on the news and they would do the morning traffic report for Springfield, Missouri, and they would show an intersection that had maybe like, I don't know, six cars driving through it, and they'd be like, well, yeah, it looks to be pretty backed up over there on the uh, Sunshine Expressway. I'm like, wait, what? It's That's that's six cars. That's not a backup. It's no. Yeah. No, 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 no. No. Yeah, it's, just, it's just all a matter of perspective, which is pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So only, only in a place like Chicago, a terrible traffic yes. jam. Uh-huh. So Ray accidentally hits somebody while driving the RV. There's a heated debate about whether to call the police, especially given that the gentlemen have been drinking. They have been imbibing, so calling the police might not be a good thing at this point. However, they don't know what's about to happen to them, so calling the police probably would have been a much better idea. Mm-hmm. They have a bit of a troubling discovery while trying to help Teddy. Teddy's the guy that they hit. They discover he's been shot and has a bag full of money. So they decide that they are going to try to take him to the hospital. As they navigate through the neighborhood, their RV is sideswiped and blocked in an alley. Fallon and his gang forcefully enter the RV, drag Teddy out, and execute him in front of the four friends. The friends are pursued by Fallon's gang into a rail yard where they hide in a streetcar filled with homeless people. One of the homeless people is mistakenly killed by Fallon while he searches for the friends. They take refuge in an apartment, try to get a resident to call the police. Fallon arrives, terrorizing the building's occupants in search of them and forcing the friends to to leave the building for their safety. They try to escape via the rooftop. Ray tries to actually bribe Fallon. He's he's a little bit too, uh, I don't want to say he's too chicken to go across on that ladder because honestly, I don't know if I would have gone across on that ladder either. Yeah. Not a fan of heights, so yeah, I don't don't know what my options would have been, but... I think if, knowing that that was the only option, I probably could have psyched myself out to, to do the ladder, but, yeah, I don't know. The ladder would have its challenges. Mm-hmm. The ladder would have its challenges. So Ray does try to bribe Fallon and his gang to let them go, and Fallon ends up killing Ray by throwing him off the roof. The remaining friends are chased into the sewers. Mike manages to shoot and kill Sykes, one of... Fallon's men, but Travis annoys Fallon and is actually drowned in retaliation, so Fallon's taking out his own guys. Then we have a bit of trading blows at the swap meet. The trio break into a swap meet and trigger the alarm to try to get arrested by security and and have the police called. Fallon kills the guards. 
and a shootout ensues, leaving Mike wounded and John shot in the leg. <laughs> in a final stand, Frank confronts Fallon, ultimately defeating him by throwing him off a ledge to his death. That is the Done. ten major moments to help sum up the movie. Um, Done and Gunner. Yeah. I don't, anything else? Anything else we need to mention before we jump into deep thoughts? I think that's it, man. I think you got it all. Did you Did you start by saying, you know? The, Man, I can't write 10 moments and I can't remember the first one. Did it start with the Emilio Estevez character having the argument with his wife? No, I did not mention that. That might be kind of key as well. Yeah. Because I, I don't know. I'm just, I, that might be a, a, an interesting piece too. You know, what, uh, just, so, so for you, for that scene, like what, what jumped out at you? Cause that's, that's kind of where the movie comes back to is because his wife was like, yeah, don't go with your friends. They're, they're a bunch of hotheads and. Well, I I don't want to preempt the major moments too no, much. Go for it. But I'm sorry, preempt the uh, what am I trying to say? Deep thoughts too much. But it kind of what jumped out to me is okay. Is this kind of a zany adventure from a guy that you know, you know, having fun with the wild friends, but has to grow up, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. So that's that's the piece that that's the piece that stood out to me is yeah, just the setup a, for that's a very different trailer. Can, that's a very different trailer voiceover. Yeah. Frank's got some <laughs> wacky friends and he wants to go see a boxing match. Well, and this gets into this gets into the music, but that's kind of what I, where I felt that the movie was going. Yeah. So that major moment seemed to support it. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like so anyways, we'll get into it with the deep thoughts, but I thought especially with the music, that's kind of that was that was kind of one of the deep thoughts. Yeah. I, I, God, I'm just missing my thing. That was one of the major moments because that combined with the music was the direction that I thought the movie was going. That's what I tried to use. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I tried to say when I was using my words. Oh, that's all right. All right. Time for deep thoughts. And now deep thoughts. All right. So I think we both said already, this is the first time we'd seen this one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What did you think of it overall? Let's just, let's start with that. Did you like it? Yes. A reluctant yes. Yes. No. You know what? No, I don't want it to be reluctant. Okay. I enjoyed this movie. Okay. I, I had fun with it, but I do have some deeper thoughts on it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to be very careful, especially my track record with you know, with our movies that our patrons have, have suggested, but no, in all honesty, yeah, I liked this movie. This was a fun movie. Yeah, I did too. I, I do have some criticisms of it myself, but yeah, this is, this was a fun one. It was, it really did remind me of like a, if you wanted a slightly different take on like a Terminator movie, a Predator movie, something where someone is, is someone is being hunted or a group is being hunted right. and they have got to, they're in all these different situations. They've got to evade. They've got to problem solve. They've got to do all kinds of stuff and they're not in their element. And it's, yeah, it was kind of a fun non sci-fi take kind of a, I don't know if you want to call it like a thriller type movie, like a neo noir thriller kind of a movie, but kind of like a non sci-fi non-horror take on the idea of people being hunted yes yes agreed yeah no i really enjoyed it though like this is this is one of those movies 
I feel like people sometimes will say this is this is really when it's switched as we're as we're switching from 80s to 90s like you're switching from the muscle-bound hero the you know you're, you're switching from the Stallone and the Schwarzenegger and the Jean-Claude Van Damme and all this stuff from the 80s you're switching from that into kind of your your everyday Joe being the action star You've got, mm-hmm. you kind of started it a little bit in the late 80s with Bruce Willis. I don't think anybody's going to, you know, nobody was going to think of Bruce Willis as being muscle bound, quote unquote. And I think a lot of people start to start to look at, yeah, it was really kind of like the, the early 90s where we started to transition away from that. I mean, you still had, what did we just last year? We had, a, we had a cliffhanger, I think was last year. And, you know, you still had Last Action Hero and, you know, so you still had some of those, and you, obviously you still have Stallone and, and Schwarzenegger and those guys still doing their thing. Mm-hmm. But this is really the point where I think you start to get some other ones. I, this is the point where, as we get closer into the mid-'90s, you know, we start to get action movies where you can have, you know, Christian Slater is the hero, or you can have Keanu Reeves is the hero. You can have mm-hmm. all these people that are not these, you know, got these massive biceps, be your action hero and that it's totally fine and not that you didn't have that before because you you had that from time to time in the 80s with oh red dawn that would be one Mm -hmm. group of of kids were the action heroes in that one so you've had it before but i really feel like this is when things start to shift a bit and you get more of the if you want to call it like the everyman action hero this really gave me 90s movie vibes oh totally yeah yeah this, this is, in fact, I would probably say, even though we've been in the 90s for three years now, I would say this was one of the first times I was watching one of our movies and going, this is totally 90s. So back early on in the podcast, I had actually done an interview with an author, Kevin Smokler, and he wrote a book mm-hmm. called Brat Pack America. Right. And while he was writing it, he was actually here in Chicago. He actually was, was staying in Lake Forest. There's kind of a artist's retreat in Lake Forest. And I think mm-hmm. he had stayed here for a while while he was writing this book. And he did a couple of spots at, you know, local libraries and, and did some book talks around here in the area. He's not, I don't think he's from Chicago originally and he doesn't live here, but actually a really good book, Brat Pack America. It's called okay. a, love, a Love Letter to 80s Teen Movies. And a lot of it, the book was really a lot about the locations in movies and how you get these movies it's, it's almost like you could almost, instead of breaking them up into genres, you could break them up into where did the story take place? It's a very different 80s teen movie if it takes place in California or if yes. it takes place on the East Coast somewhere or if it's a John Hughes Chicago kind of teen movie. They all have different flavors. They all have their own. But you can kind of look at it and go, that's a California 80s teen movie. That's a Midwestern 80s teen movie that's a yeah. New York 80s teen movie and I always right. thought that was kind of interesting his kind of his take on it in his book but when I talked to him on our podcast one of the things I asked him about was I said here in a few years we're going to be moving into the 90s and what do you what do you feel about that like what's what what is it like uh when you when you go from one decade to another kind of what ends up happening and his take on it was kind of the same he's like well it's it's really you still had 80s movies a couple years into the nineties because it's really, it takes a few years into a decade to really kind of establish, well, what, what does it mean for it to be quote unquote nineties? And I think we're kind of hitting that point. We're in 93 right now and and moving on into 94. And I think we're kind of hitting that point where it's like, okay, we've, we're getting the eighties out of our system, which 
I'll stop right there and say no one should ever get the 80s out of their system, but no. we're getting the 80s out of our system. We're moving into what the 90s is going to look like, and that's it's going to be it's a very different type of action movie. It's it's very different look and feel. I remember comic books were changing. It's, it's a very different look and feel from what we got in the 80s, and this movie, like you and I have both said, is probably one of the first times even though it's we're already three years into it, that I'm sitting there and I'm going, this is such a 90s movie. Right. It has got all the well, 90s and, vibes. Well, right, and it's like we split things up 80s, 90s, right. you know. But, I mean, it's like how culture really kind of happens. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So I, I think that that's, a, that's a, a very interesting point, and I – I remember that interview and I, I just think any people that look at that, I remember like some documentaries on CNN, the decades. And that was a theme that came up just how, how we attribute though. I'm going to basically just use words to muddle through what you just said, but yeah, how we split things as 1980 to 1989, but the parts of culture, the way things are done bleed over that. Right. Right. And I find that fascinating. I guess that's the point I'd add. I just, I find that study of history and what goes where, I just find that fascinating. I mean, and it, it does tend to go in, it, it can kind of go in like 10-year spurts, but it's really kind of, you know, a lot of the early, if you look at a lot of the early 80s stuff, it still feels very 70s. It's it's really not until about 82, 83 that you really start to look at, ooh, okay, now we're getting kind of a different style of things and different different types of literature, different types of music. So yeah, I mean I really think it's it's almost like a in your brain you could start the decades at like, well, this kind of this started in in 82 or 83 and well the 90s kind of started in 92 or 93. Yeah. Yeah. While we're on the deep thoughts, I I wanted to point something out. It's a bit of a spoiler for the movie once you've seen it, but a question I had why does Jeremy Piven not have a good enough agent so that he gets his face on the poster? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a movie about four friends and, and this crime Lord guy, Fallon. And let's see, four friends, crime Lord guy, Fallon. That should be five people on the poster. And Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't know that when I look at the poster, I see four people. And I don't I'm know like, what to tell you, John. And I'm like, what? You could you could have included the fourth friend on the poster. That just would have been a nice touch. It would have been a nice touch, but I, and again, I could have miscounted because, as we know, it was my understanding that there would be no math. No, it's always possible. So, in in terms of some of my deeper thoughts about this movie, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the action of it, the set pieces. Here's a little trivia thing. Apparently. When they showed some of the dailies of this to the, you know, to the studio back in California, they were like, wow, those those matte paintings that you got to make the city look like dark and dirty and everything else, those are kind of intense. Like, can you ease back a little bit and make it look a little brighter? They're like, we didn't use matte paintings. That's Chicago. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> so this this movie does not help for anybody who's not from Chicago and they have this idea of what Chicago is because of what they've heard on the news or they've heard from somebody telling them, oh, Chicago's, it's a rough place. It's basically a war zone. You know, I don't live in downtown Chicago. I don't live in the city of Chicago. I do live out in the suburbs, but 
I love Chicago. I love the city of Chicago. Yeah. I love going into the city. Granted, yes, there are there are times of night where I won't go to Chicago. You know, and that, that's with any city, though. I mean, you can you can say that about yes. just about any city. But this is kind of like I do feel like this movie may have helped perpetuate some of the ideas about what Chicago is and and how rough of a city Chicago is and things like that. But yeah, especially when I heard that one, they're like, Oh man, this is maybe tone it down on the matte paintings. I wasn't a matte painting. Right. That was the actual city. No, I hear you. I hear you. And it, it, it does whenever you use that as a setting and you see those rougher parts of town and, and all that. And a lot has changed in 30 years. Right. Uh, well, obviously in some ways, yeah. you know, there, yeah, there's violence and there's crime. And I mean, and they're like any place where lots of people live together, but you know, like some of those housing projects and like the Cabrini green thing, there's been a lot of gentrification with certain areas too. Right. 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 So in and of itself, a very interesting study and outlook of a major city. So a, c- a couple other things I had in, in terms of kind of like deep thoughts on this one is I think I would have liked, and maybe I just missed it, but I think I would have liked a little bit more time spent on some background on these friends. Like I felt like there were things about them. I wanted to know how how are they capable enough to survive some of these situations? Like does, does somebody have military training does somebody have i kind of got the idea that they were they were athletes when they were in high school and you know that there was a certain sense of oh well they can they can endure this or they can figure this out because they've got this background you do give that you get that from ray because it sounds like he's a bit of a wheeler and dealer so he does try to negotiate his way or con his way out of you know getting shot by fallon which does not work well. I mean, he doesn't get shot, so I guess successful negotiation there, but pushed over the side of the building is not any better. Nope. Nope. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. That's uh, what, what, what do they call that? Six of one, half a dozen stories of another. <laughs> I think that's exactly what they call it. <laughs> yeah. I did. As I said before, I did want to call this one predator three judgment night. And uh, I kept in my head as I'm watching this movie, I had Gary Busey going, Lions and Tigers and Dennis Leary. Oh, my. So Dennis Leary, is he does a great job in this movie. In fact, there were some moments where he's at his kind of craziest. Yes. He, he had some moments where if I blinked or I squinted, I could have sworn it was Willem Dafoe in this movie and not Dennis Leary. Yeah, no, Dennis Leary is pretty awesome. Yeah. Makes a good villain in this one. Um, yes, he does. Yeah, yeah. So I think in, in terms of my, my only other deeper thought on this one is enjoyed the movie, really entertaining. It it was nonstop. Like once this got going, once they got out the RV and they're, they're just, I don't want to call it an adventure because it's not really an adventure, but their misadventure in the city, it, it was, there was no downtime here. It was like one beat after another. And it was, they were constantly on the run, constantly having to figure things out. The only thing that I would say is, is kind of a big knock on the movie is some of the dialogue is just terrible. Like some of the writing for this, some of the, some of the lines that they deliver. I mean, these are some pretty good actors in this movie. I mean, None of these guys are, are <laughs> none of these guys are, are like C level actors, but yeah, it's some of the dialogue was bad. 
What do you got for us, John? Some examples. Oh, I feel like there were some times where uh, just a couple of different times where somebody said something and, and it was it just seemed like kind of a a weird, ridiculous thing for them to say. Not Dennis Leary. Like, I liked all of his lines. I do feel like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I feel like Cuba Gooding Jr. had a few, a few weird lines. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of specific lines. But I just remember some sure. different times in the movie where somebody said some somebody dropped a line, and I was just like, "Oh, ugh. <laughs> like that was, yeah, that clunk, got, that, clang. Got, that got through the edits." Okay, <laughs> yeah, I, I should have, mm-hmm. yeah, I should have written some of them down, but no, I, no, I hear you though. Yeah. I hear you mm-hmm. though, because sometimes that gets a little bit like it seems out of character, or one of the characters goes over the top, or yeah, yeah. Just something, some just seems awkward. Right. And that can happen. Right. Yeah. And Dennis Leary, I just think his delivery, especially having that character just nailed dead to rights like he did, I think that can kind of make the difference too. Yeah. I think that can make the big difference yeah. um, as well. I did uh, when, when Emilio Estevez delivered the line, don't call me Francis towards the end of the movie. Yeah. And he keeps calling him Francis. He's like, don't call me Francis. All I could think of is Pee Wee Herman <laughs> saying something like, don't call me Francis. But yeah, there were some, uh, there were some, some weird little lines yeah. in there. My, my last comment I want to make before, as we kind of move on towards uh, three questions and, and I want you to, if you've got any other deeper thoughts you want to share too. The, sure. Yeah. The, the last comment I wanted to make about this one is it, it was really hard to suspend my disbelief at the very end of this movie. Like, I think through the rest of this movie, you can suspend disbelief for certain things. But when Frank tells Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character, man, you can't die. And he says, I can't die. I've got tickets to the Bears game next week. (laughs) This was 30 years ago, John. Just remember. Well, 30 30 years ago. 30 years ago was still not any better. Well. You talk about the early 90s Bears. Yeah, I mean, we're not, we're not talking the '85 Bears. No, I know, but I think they still they they won some, they won some, they lost some. Yeah. You know, I think I, the Packers won a Super Bowl. Well, that was '96 or '7, I think. But uh, but we're talking the Bears here. Yeah, yeah. '93 for the Bears was actually their first season without Mike Ditka. Okay, because he had I want to say in '92. They had a pretty terrible season. Oh, yeah, I looked it up real fast. He was fired in 92 following their 5-11 and 11 finish. And then Dave Wanstead, that was the first year Dave Wanstead was the, the coach of the Bears, was 93. Mm-hmm. And they finished 7-9 and nine that year. So, I mean, not great. Yeah. When... Granted, it's nothing quite like the 13-game losing streak we've got going right now. Yeah. Shout out to the Bears. Hey, you know what? They're just figuring it out. Well, yeah. Green Bay's looking pretty good. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Green Bay. I mean, everyone thought uh, Jordan Love, we're not sure, but he's been playing pretty well. Mm-hmm. He's been in the games. They're fun to watch play. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I, What are we podcasting about again? We're talking about NFC North? 
Sorry, I have a I have a gagging sound effect here somewhere. <laughs> yeah, oh, there we go. There's my Green Bay Packers. Actually, I, I actually think I have that labeled Green Bay somewhere here on my. Okay, all right. My, I'm just saying. Board, so yeah, I'm just saying. I I might make a rule that whenever I've I've got some sounds here ready to go, so I might make a rule that whenever Dennis brings up the White Sox or you bring up the Packers, I I have to slap you with a fine. You are fined one credit for a violation of the verbal morality statute. Yeah. No, I hear you. I think they're a young team too, which is probably, this is their start and they're a young team. That's pretty exciting. So Pat, do you have any thoughts about this movie? Wait, what, what what are we talking about again? I thought we were talking about the pack. No, it's we're, we're talking about uh, Predator 3, Judgment Night. Judgment Night, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. How do we get talking about the Packers? I don't, I don't know. know. You, Anyways. You, sir, I don't know. You were off on a tangent or something. We were talking about, I know what we were talking about, the team's the top of the division, uh-huh. which the Packers are. I think that's how that works. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, you know what? Judgment. I'm going to say the same thing somebody Whenever somebody makes fun of when my Texas Longhorns don't do well, yeah, I'm like, yeah, but the Texas Longhorns to get, get to go back home to Austin. Okay. Many, many, many of the other schools don't get to go back home to a really nice city. You've claimed and, the moral victory. And, and honestly, I've and I, I will say I do love a lot of Wisconsin. I drove yeah. through Green, Green Bay and I was like, wait, this is it. Yeah, it's a small town. I was kind of shocked. It's a small, and the stadium is like literally right across the street from people's, you know, houses. It is. It was crazy. I was like, I kind of expected there to be more of a city here, and it's really not a city at all. I have heard that like going to Lambeau is like a great place to watch a game. Like, I, I like I've that. heard that even, even from Bear fans, they just just the history of it all and all they say oh, it's yeah. pretty awesome. Oh no, I, I'll, I'll give you that. I think it'd be a great place. I've never oh. seen a game there. I think it'd be a great place to go. Yeah, I, I'd like to get there at least once. Yeah. I'd like to get there at least once. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. Okay. So, so do you have any, do you have any other about, deeper thoughts on this one? Anything else you want to say about this one before we go on? Yeah, so it's oh, so interesting. And I've kind of beat around the bush with it a little bit, so I'll get it right in there. The music really was interesting to me. Yeah. The opening song, which I can't even sing or, but it, that first of all, identified this movie as a nineties movie. Yeah. It's like a little bit hip hop, a little bit rock, but yeah. real light and kind of fun to listen to almost like goofy kind of sound. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It really, I know we referenced the movie road trip earlier. It really sounded like the soundtrack for road trip, which came out a number, like totally uh-huh. for me, making me think nineties. And that's what made me think and why that opening scene was such a, one of the major moments, because that's what set it up to me as, oh, kind of a fun adventure. It was boom, ticka, boom, ticka. Here goes Emilio Estevez, and he's got these wacky wild friends his wife's not too sure about, but we can trust. And the music really tells you that, right? Like, listening to the music made me think, this is going to be like the movie Road Trip. Yeah. Okay? So I found that interesting. I found some of the, and I really want to go back and listen to the scores, especially side-by-side with, like, Predator 2, but the one thing that stands out for me is that like glass scraping sound that you hear like in the Matrix, the original Matrix, like, yeah. kind of a thing. And I, I noticed that a lot, especially when they got into the horror stuff. There were times that the music really made it sound. And I think I'm talking myself into 
identifying the parts that sound like predator, but there was stuff that really sounded like adventure. Okay. These guys are gearing up for battle and ready to get after it. Then there was some stuff that was kind of like, okay, this is horror. So I, I found that the music was very interesting, especially the setup, especially the, the, the uh, finale, right? The music that they chose to play when the credits roll. Cause that's supposed to be kind of, Hey, this is what your, your last thought of this movie. And it was back to the silly kind of adventure or fun, wacky adventure song that was at the beginning. Yeah. So I found that an interesting take on the movie. In watching it, I was kind of confused with, okay, wh- what direction are we going? Is this guy going on a wacky adventure and can his wife trust him? And it, you know, He's following his friends and it's like, like bachelor party where what the heck just happened? Or is this like a serious horror kind of thriller movie where people are getting killed? Well, it's kind of that, but then the way it wraps up is, man, I'm going back to my wife. I've had enough of this. And we don't really, we don't really shed a tear for the friend that got thrown off the building. Right. We're not dealing with any trauma from that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like even, even in The Fugitive, another movie that I felt was like, hey, welcome to the 90s. I mean, even that one, Dr. Kimball still at the end, okay, he won, he's right, but my gosh, he's still grieving his wife. He's still, there's still some sadness going on there. And the movie ends kind of, there's that pensive part of it, right? So that was kind of a, okay, which way are we going with this movie? Like you said, I, you want to know more about the characters. Like, what's their motivation? Where are they coming from? What's their deal? So again, it, it, it's it's those questions that I would love to have answered. Mm-hmm. Now that being said, it was a really fun movie, and and you're always moving, right? You're either stuck in traffic, but then things heat up, and it's great because it does that great chase thriller type thing where okay, you're in relative safety. Then we take that away from you. The RV is this big, huge vehicle with all the accoutrement of uh, living in luxury, but we're going to take that away from you. You get run off the road. We're going to, you know, we've got TVs and phones and all this. There's the cops right around the corner, but we're going to take that away from you. They're not coming back. We're going to blow up the RV. Okay, now we've got, we get to this apartment, we get in, but we're going to take that away from you. You got to leave the apartment. Okay, you got the rooftop but that's fleeting. You got the sewer that's fleeting. So it's, it's, that's great. And it just keeps the, keeps the action and keeps the excitement going. But yeah, those, that was the piece. And and the music kind of helped throw me a little bit with, okay, which way is this movie going? Because right. Like, like the music kind of foreshadows and the opening scene foreshadows one kind of thing. But then as we get going, it's something completely else. And then the whole title of it, Judgment Night. Okay, so are these guys being put into a highly dangerous, traumatic situation, and now they all got to dig deep and find out who they truly are, Judgment Night? Or are we being judged by our past sins? Or, like, that really didn't get drilled down on very much either. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, Judgment Night, yeah, these guys, okay, they're being put in extraordinary situation, but why is this judge, judgment night? What are they, they being judged about? Mm-hmm. You know, they were kind of all, the younger brother was kind of the loose cannon. The one friend that got offed on the building, he was a jerk. 
And I mean, like these guys, it's like, okay, guys, I'm, I'm trying to cheer for you here, but you're not like the nicest guys. Not all of them, but you know, some of these guys weren't the nicest. So was the idea that, okay, they get what they deserve. This is karma coming back. How does that judgment night piece fit in? So I've got a lot of questions and I could headcanon it, right? But yeah, I could headcanon it and kind of figure it out and use the pieces to figure it out. But those, those that was kind of what, what with the movie kind of left me with the question mark. Now, that being said, if those things weren't in there, what were you left with? A very entertaining adventure chase. I could sit and watch this over and over and over. I mean, I think as a cult movie, I think this would be great. I think a late night sleepover. Dude, let's watch Judgment Night. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fun. But there's enough seriousness that makes you kind of like, oh, okay, that's hard to cheer for this. But they don't really drill down on that and pay that off. It's just like, dude, his friend died. But you kind of brush that off and just keep going. Yeah. So those were kind of the things that I was struggling with and thinking with and all that. But again, fun movie. Hey, guys, let's just watch something fun. Bam, there, this would be it. Yeah, and like like I mentioned before, and you brought it up too, the the soundtrack for this I think was much bigger than the movie itself. Like the movie didn't do as well, but this soundtrack I mean, kind of mixture, and that was very much of its time too. Like it was the mixture of, you know, rock and rap, and I I was reading up a little bit on kind of the history of this uh, this soundtrack coming together, and that was exactly what that was exactly what the producer of this was looking for. Like he. I guess there had been some some meetups of some hip hop rap artists and some rock artists at Lollapalooza in '92, and it sounded like they had they really gotten along well. And and the the guy who was producing this was kind of like, look, I I got to get more of these guys together. Like this is going to be, you know, if, if we can get them together, this is going to be gold. This is going to be amazing. And so I, I was I was reading up on the, oh, what was the guy's name? It was uh, I feel like it was. Walter Happy Walters was the guy the guy's name. Yeah. He was uh, it was kind of I guess it was kind of like his his baby to get some of these different acts together and that was really kind of the you know collaboration between the rap hip hop and the rock guys and that to me that's that's really a lot of what you're looking at when you got the two at least from what I remember the two most popular the two heaviest genres of music that I recall from the early mid nineties is going to be the rock and the rap. And to have both of those together on this album, I think that's why this got to be as popular as it did. I, I want to say I read somewhere it got all the way up to number 17 on the charts when it okay. came out. Yeah. So sure. Yeah. And I remember, I remember friends having this album, even though I'd never seen the movie before. And I remember people like having this album and I had a buddy in high school, I think, I feel like he, I want to say, like he had a card that actually had a CD player in it, and I think feel like this was one of the first CDs that he bought and, and stuck in his car. Yeah, so no, I remember this being popular. Oh, yeah. Most certainly. All right. Are you ready for three questions, Pat? I'm ready for three questions, John. Are you ready, you ready to have your three questions judged? Fire up the three-question machine. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. What, were they psychos? We all go a little mad sometimes. Quid pro quo. I tell you things, you tell me things. I'm not interrupting anything, am I? You look 
So I'll ask you the questions and then we'll see, all right? All right, Pat, question number one. What is your favorite movie or TV scene that takes place in a grocery store? Oh, this was a, this is a hard question. Why don't you go first, John? You're the host. Oh man. There's, there's so many good ones on the regular. Uh, I am pretty much quoting. I feel like it's at least once a week. I end up quoting my blue heaven. Like, did you find everything you were looking for? Um, arugula. arugula, arugula. What's arugula? Arugula. It's a vegetable. So to the point where my, my daughter now, if we go to the grocery store, or if, if somebody happens to pass by and we happen to spot some arugula, she'll run that quote through. Awesome. Now, I was trying to think of some other ones. I mean, some some are a little bit more convenience store, maybe rather than grocery store, but, you know, that's that's acceptable. Like the entire movie of Clerks. Um, okay. That, you know, of course, you've got yeah. the, you get the convenience store. You've got the great scene at the beginning of, or, I mean, kind of towards the beginning, middle of RoboCop, you know, the that the uh, dead or alive you're coming with me scene. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You know what I think I'm going to have to go with though and it's kind of a and I could oh man, I could go Big Lebowski. Mhm. You know what? I'm I'm going to go with <laughs> I'm going to because it was so ridiculous when we watched this one. We did this for the podcast. It was maybe our second year when mm-hmm. we were doing the podcast. So this was an 86 movie. And I uh, let's let's see if you can figure it out from some of my clues. This was a 1986 movie. It was early on in the podcast. Okay. Uh, it was, I believe, a canon film starring Sylvester Stallone. Oh, Cobra. There you go. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with the supermarket scene in Cobra. Okay. And, and maybe just for the line, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow this place up. Go ahead. I don't shop here. <laughs> yeah. So I might pick that one. Like I know there's a lot of other, I know there's a lot of other other uh, grocery store supermarket scenes that uh, could have been chosen. Oh, there's the there's the funny scene of Mr. Mom when he takes the kids grocery shopping. Yeah. You just give me a, like a quarter pound of cheese. That's that's, <laughs> that's not how you buy cheese. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, gonna go with awesome. that. I'm, I'm gonna go with Cobra. Yeah, you know it's funny you mentioned. That's a great choice. You mentioned everything that I was thinking of. Okay. I you went right down the line. I stole your thunder and so, I didn't mean to. No, I think it's good because this is a tough one, man. I feel like this should be a whole, I don't know, like Big Lebowski. Well, there was that funny scene in in it, but it was like a scene in the, the Big Lebowski. I mean, I don't know yeah. if that was like a standard part of it. Clerks. I mean, Clerks is right there. That was the first thing that came to my mind. I think my answer will just be clerks. Okay. So not quite a grocery store though. Yeah. Does convenience store work? Yeah, that's that's acceptable. Yeah. Then we'll take we'll go with that. Oh, another really good one is the scene in Father of the Bride when he goes oh, in. When you he know goes what? In. It's so funny because <laughs> it's four buns I don't need. I am removing the superfluous buns. That might have to be my choice because clerks is kind of a uh, you know, I'm right on the line with, is that a grocery store or not? Right, right. That father of the bride, I that am, is, yeah. I am removing the superfluous buns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do not need 12 weenie buns. I need eight uh-huh. weenie buns. So I'm removing, yeah. <laughs> That's, that is a good one. That is a good one. The, when in uh, 
uh, National Influence Christmas Vacation where they're going to the food store and shopping with Eddie. Yes. And he's putting everything in there and Eddie grabs, the, they're just walking down the line. And, uh, you know, he puts all his stuff on the cart and Eddie grabs a big bag of dog food and just yep. packs it down and just smushes everything he has. Uh -huh. That was, that was pretty good. And Clark, I want you to, I want to get you something real nice. Real nice. <laughs> Even though he's, he's paying for it. All right, question number two. If you rented an RV for a road trip, what feature would it need to have? Have you ever, have you ever um, gone in an RV on a road trip anywhere? I have never done an RV on a road trip, but I went camping with Tammy's family. Okay. We were in a tent, and, and, and her folks borrowed an RV from a friend, and so they had the RV. Tammy and I did the tent deal, okay. but we were at a campsite. So I guess that's about as close as I got with the RV type thing. So you'd say your camping um, trip was intense? Camping trip was intense, yes. Okay, okay good. good. I just, I yes. To... My children don't let I, me do the dad jokes anymore, so I, I kind of just I need to get it out of my system somewhere. I, you know what? You, you just, you, hey, man, sometimes you just got to let it let it happen. Yeah. Sometimes you got to let it happen. So I never camped in an RV. What would I want in an RV? I, that's a really interesting question. I, I mean, a trailer I could put my motorcycle on. So wherever we ended up, I had a bike to go ride. Yeah. I think that would be like the only feature I would want on the RV because everything else I wouldn't need a feature for. I mean, if, well, it depends. I mean, showers, it'd be nice. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm talking like superfluous features. Like things you don't really need, but it would be like really fun to have. Oh, so superfluous features. Yeah, like something, something kind of out of left field. Something that, like, or I mean, something that would just be like, normally we wouldn't put this in an RV, but like this would be really fun to have in an RV. Part of me was like, part of me was thinking, when the RV gets jammed into the alleyway and it gets stuck in this movie, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking. I bet Pat, if, if Pat was in this RV right now, I bet he wishes the one feature it would have is it would be like a Batmobile kind of tumbler. And there's, a, I was, there's a yeah. motorcycle that you could just like kick right out the front of it. And mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I'd say a motorcycle okay. that I could take out riding or, yeah. you know, what would be really cool. It's just a hot tub. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A hot tub in the RV and you just open up the thing, look up at the stars, sit in the hot tub. That would be fun. That'd be pretty cool. Well, what about you, man? What do you got for us? I would go, I think wherever, wherever you end up going camping, I think, I think it could be fun. I always love movies. So I think maybe if you had like an RV that had a retractable movie screen and projector on the outside of it, mm -hmm. so you could be like out in the middle of nowhere, but you could pop on a movie and, and watch a movie if you want to pull out your chairs and have a little campfire and watch a movie. And oh yeah, so that, that could be fun. That could be fun. Yeah. That's probably what I'm gonna go with. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, man. I was uh, th this had me thinking more about why why we don't have more RVs in action movies because I mean there's mm -hmm. there's a lot there's a lot of stuff you can do with this. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you got Eagle Five from Spaceballs. Yeah. You got the suburban assault, the urban suburban assault vehicle. Yes. In stripes, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's like another step towards Predator Three Judgment Night. You just bring in Arnold Schwarzenegger, you've got the R V and it changes yeah. it changes that famous line. You know, it changes it to get get into camper now. 
There it is, man. Mm-hmm. It's happening. Yeah. Question number three, which is better, comedian Dennis Leary or villain Dennis Leary? John, I've had so much fun discussing this movie, and I have no sarcasm right now, <laughs> even though here's the thing. I can't be not sarcastic. Uh-huh. When I try, and, and, and it's the more I try to be, I'm like that guy that's like too serious. The, sure. the less he tries to be funny, the more he is funny. Yeah. But I'm not funny. But when I just, I try, the more I try not to be sarcastic, mm-hmm. the more I sound sarcastic. And I'm, I feel bad about that. Cause I, like my last comment, I feel that all of our viewers are going to be like, dang, how is he roasting this movie? I'm like, no, I really like the movie. Yeah. I really like talking about the oh, movie. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm, I like, how are we already on question three? I feel like it went too fast. Yeah. I, pe- the people, uh, the people will understand. They know. I hope they do. I'm yeah. not really a sarcastic person. Yeah. It got, it gets me into trouble. It got me into my trouble with my wife in Lamaze class. I'd say things. <laughs> it didn't mean to be sarcastic. Well, I, I can see where that could go to badly. It, it, it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> the breathing did not go well enterprise. <laughs> huh? I'm totally comedian. Like I'm good guy. Dennis Leary. First of all, cause okay. I like happy endings. Second of all, cause I like to see good characters, all that. And I'm just, I'm also going to go like from a structural standpoint, Mm -hmm. I liked Dennis Leary's good characters a little bit more than I liked this bad character. Okay. So I think like they say is like a movie can only be as good as its villain. Okay. And I thought Dennis Leary was like freaky in this thing, right? Like he was scary, dude. I loved how he like, you know, drowned as one guy. I mean, again, it, it was played off as dark humor, right? It's he's like he's getting mad at his guy and he's pushing his head underwater. And all of a sudden, his buddy goes, "I think he killed him," or something like that. Yeah. Oh, and, and it's kind of like okay, haha. I liked how when he's trying to get in in the the gangland guys, and he's just like, you know, he's totally unhinged. He's a total bad guy. But the guy comes over and he's like, "Look, come on over here," and uh, you know, here's the situation. I know you're saving face. Take my money. Like, and it's all good. The guy's like, man, I can take your money if you want. And just the way he delivers the next line, you can't take my money, but you can take my money. Yeah. I'm just like, dang, that's, and just, so he, he wasn't like, he was intelligent, but I don't know. I just, this bad guy character didn't do it as well as all the good characters I've seen. I love him in Demolition Man. Oh yeah. I love him in the Amazing Spider-Man. I love him in Thomas Crown Affair. I really, what's the one, isn't there one where he's a criminal and he ends up breaking into a house and there's the two kids are in there and then he's got to be like the babysitter or something like that. Because There's something, actually, and, and again, this. I actually think it's one we're going to do next year called The Ref. Yes, The Ref. And that's kind of like played for laughs. And and he's so good at that. I mean, he's so good, especially how his comedy, they they find a way to where he'll get on a rant with things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's like, dang, he's scary. But I, I almost feel like I've seen him as the good guy so much, just the sardonic, sarcastic kind of ranting good guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That when I see him as the bad guy, like he does an amazing job, but my shock value is like, wow, he's really bad. Like, but I really like his good guy characters. You guys, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, and I, I just think 
they're the everyman, right? Yeah. Like he's the guy that's a little bit out of his depth. Like the way he plays off in Thomas Crown Affair, where it is so good how he plays off this high end multi billionaire that's doing these crazy things, the eccentric art dealer person that's the looks he gives, the way he gets on those rants. I, it's just awesome. And so, so I just, I like good guy, Dennis Leary. Yeah. I, I like seeing him as the everyman. I like seeing him doing the rants because, you know, yeah, I, I just, that's what I like better. And that's why. I haven't seen him as much as a villain. I thought he was really good in this one, Yeah, but I haven't yeah. seen him as much as a villain in the other movies. He's, you know, he's either a, he's either a, a good guy or a somewhere in the middle kind of guy in some of the other movies I've seen. Like I do love his character in demolition man. And I think that's, that's, that's the humor of his that I'm used to is his Edgar friendly character in that. And like you said, when he gets on a little bit of a rant, I think that's what he's best at. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember him from, what else was he in? He was in, he was in suicide Kings. He was in, Oh, he's a loaded weapon. You know, cause we did that one earlier this year. He was in the sand lot, you know, so I've, I've seen him in a bunch of different things, but yeah, I think, I think I got to go with the good guy comedian rather than the villain. Although I did really enjoy him as the villain in this and I'm, and maybe I just haven't seen enough of his movies, but I'm a little bit surprised that after this one, he didn't have more opportunities to play the villain. Right. So if, if right. somebody's listening and they're like, Oh, John, you are totally missing this particular movie here where he is a villain and he does a great job. Let us know, because I'd, I'd love to see another one where it's him as a villain, like a kind of a scary guy. As I said, there was a moment where it, he, and I forget where it was in the movie, but there was a moment in the movie he's yelling at somebody, and the way his face turns, he looks like a crazed Willem Dafoe. And yeah. and I, I always, when I think of like crazy, off-the-wall kind of villain type characters, like ones that are going to be a little unpredictable and a little unstable, I, I think Willem Dafoe, so... That to his credit, that was that was a, a bit of a nope. bit of a connection that I made, you know, with his Fallon character. I totally, totally agree with you, man. Hard agree. It's he's he's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, Pat, that's going to do it for this one, and we are almost done with Horror Month next week. So so far this month, we've had uh, Fire in the Sky, we've had Hocus Pocus, Needful Things. This week was Judgment Night, and then coming up soon, we've got Leprechaun. So that is a that is a fun one, a kind of ridiculous one, but a little bit of a fun one. If you are over with us on Patreon, you've also had Something Wicked This Way Comes. And then we also had an episode on the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. and Cheers. Mm-hmm. Then for next month, coming up next month, we've got Thanks for the Laughs Month. We're doing King Kong as our Patreon, the 1933 King Kong. And then for our Patreon shorts, it started in 93, The X-Files, and it ended in 93, Quantum Leap. Then our regular episodes for November are going to be So I Married an Axe Murderer, Dazed and Confused, Wayne's World 2, Grumpy Old Men, and Robin Hood Men in Tights. So we got some good, good stuff coming up. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, man. So, Pat, I always have fun talking movies with you, so thanks for being here with me. John, thank you. This was a good time. This was a great movie. A lot of fun to talk about. Definitely go see it. You know, if thrillers and and action and all that is is your thing, Padraig, thank you. First of all, Padraig, yes. hope you're well, and thank you so much for being a patron and supporting the show. That's very humbling and much appreciated. And 
thanks for recommending this awesome movie. This yeah. was fun. Yeah, thank you, Patrick. This was a, this was a great recommendation. So we we'll always always look forward to what you got for us. So thank you so much for that one. Yes, yeah. and, uh, and Pat, I've, I think I've, I'm going to make an executive decision that if for some reason you, Jeff, Bo, Dennis, and myself ever go to see a boxing match in the city, we're not <laughs> taking an RV and we're not taking a shortcut. You're on Metro, so. the way to really fly. Uh huh. Yeah. Or yeah. or Uber. I really, as long as we're not taking any shortcuts anywhere, I, doesn't matter. Yeah, man. I know. All right, everybody, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we will see you back here next time.